Welcome on in, 903 here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. This is the morning after starting off your Monday, your week right, right here on Fighting Scots Radio. I'm Tyler Trumbauer alongside the dog Tubby here on a fine Monday morning. Overreaction Monday morning, I think it's going to be with the Browns fan and the Eagles fan in studio today. Um, so we'll get a lot of NFL talk in. Tubby, how are you on this fine Monday morning? I'm here. I've moved to a place of acceptance. So I'm I'm good. You know, I want to get to that because I was following your tweets from yesterday's Browns game, and I, I kind of have a bone to pick with you about that and about your 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 Cleveland fandom with the Browns. Okay. Because I kind of I kind of I mean I could be off base, and I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of flack on Twitter for it. But I just I'm just ready to I just want to voice that opinion. But the NFL is going to dominate the second half of the show or the or the last three quarters, if you will, after we hit the quarter pole of the show because we've now hit the quarter pole in the NFL season. I know you know people don't like when you say quarter pole of the NFL season. That's why I said it. But uh, Mike Fenner is going to be joining us uh, in a matter of seconds here on the show to talk Burrow football, which you heard right here on 88.9, fighting uh, Scott's radio from IUP for the Crimson Hawks homecoming. Mr. Fenner will talk that. He was probably the biggest winner of uh, the NFL weekend as the Titans didn't play. Yeah, they had a bye week. So uh, Lucky booger. good for him. And I'm sure he enjoyed that. And, uh, you know, I got I got Sunday ticket, too. So we'll talk about that and some other good stuff in the upcoming 56 minutes of today's Monday morning show. Now, he uh, I don't know where Fenner's at in the world because we've had we had trouble connecting with him before the show, getting him online. So hopefully he's there. I don't know where he's calling from. Is this kind of like where in the world is Carmen San Diego? I'm not really sure, but all I know is wherever Fenner is, he doesn't have the best cell reception. So let's see if we have him here on the morning after. Fenner, are you in a good location? I wouldn't say good, but I'm with you. He's with you. Okay, so he's not good. He's hanging on by a thread, barely one bar, <laughs> kind of like the Verizon commercial. Right. Can you hear me now? Um, so hopefully we can hear him at least for the next 10 or so minutes that we got him here. Uh, Mike, so let's start off with Borough football. Um, obviously, a if you didn't hear the call right here with you and I on 88.9, it was a IUP win, 42-21 to on the Crimson Hawks homecoming. Uh, the IUP was off to a 28 to nothing lead, and uh, this is just all IUP on the ground game in this one, just 383 rushing yards for IUP. I believe they're fourth or fifth in Division Two in the running game. They were t- they were top ten going into this game, and uh, I said in the pregame, Mike, that was the name of their game was to run the ball, and they did it from the get go. And they Edinburgh struggled to stop it. Yeah, you're exactly right. Um, we thought maybe that the missing Luigi Lista Brinza, who went for a career high in rushing against Mercyhurst the week prior, and not having him in the lineup may help Edinburgh. But really, IUP showed that it's got two or three guys outside of Lister Brinza that can run the football effectively. And Chris Temple was able to get himself into the second level plenty of times in this ball game. Uh, 28 carries, uh, but didn't really show any issue with the volume because he goes for 234 yards and those six touchdowns, as we talked about. Nearly 10 yards a carry uh, for a guy that just was a first-down maker and a touchdown score. Really hard to argue with what he did uh, and tied the all-time record for a PSAC player with single-game rushing touchdowns. Of course, uh, that was John Kuhn of Shippensburg, who's still going and plugging away in the NFL. So that really uh, tells you about the territory the Temple reached on Saturday. Yeah, setting the school record and obviously, as you mentioned, uh, tying the conference record. And Kuhn's not a not a bad territory, not bad company to be with. And you're right, we showed up, we talked to Mr. Josh Hill of IUP's broadcast, and he told us, he has a little tidbit, that Lista Brinza would be out. And uh, we didn't know that coming in. I'm not even sure if Edinburgh's coaching staff knew that going in. Um, but nonetheless, he wasn't there. But as you said, it didn't even miss a beat. 
Um, what what did you what did you think of the quarterback situation? Obviously, they put in another quarterback. They went back to their um, to the quarterback we saw a year ago, Chase Hazlitt, just for a little bit. Um, he he was one for two, 19 yards and one pick as well. Um, but Lenny Williams was the starter. Uh, didn't have to do a lot in the passing game. Only nine for 12, 90 yards and one interception for him as well. Um, but he's more of a running guy, picked up a lot of yards in different times. One that comes to mind was a huge third and long um, for IUP, and they, he got a 30-yard scamper and converted for the Crimson Hawks and uh, really flipped the field in that run. And what did you think of him, the redshirt freshman transfer from Temple? I was pretty impressed with Williams. Uh, the passing attack still is evolving for IUP. They really need to get more players involved outside of Walt McGee's, who ended up with seven catches for 88 yards. Uh, outside of his performance, he only had three total receptions and 21 yards uh, through the air, 22, pardon me. But um, with Williams, I was really impressed with his poise, his patience in terms of creating more for the running game, like you talked about. That big 39-yard run I think was a difference maker in the game. Goes for nearly 100 yards himself on the ground. And my personal opinion, I feel like they didn't need him, or they felt like they didn't need him when they went up 28 nothing. So they felt like, okay, you know, Lenny's day is done. We're going to save him because it's a long, grinding season and we're going to need him for, you know, games where we're trying to compete for a Western Division championship. And then all of a sudden, you know, Edinburgh comes up with a pick on Williams as he comes back in. Uh, Hazlitt wasn't performing the right way, I don't think. And, you know, throw, he throws an interception in the first half, so then Williams has to trot back out there. That's when Edinburgh gets six 6 with true freshman cornerback Mitch Thomas, his first career interception that goes 88 yards for a touchdown. But I really felt like uh, they wanted to give the keys over to Hazlitt because they wanted Williams to rest. Maybe not because they weren't confident in what he was doing. Uh, interesting dynamic, but I think they might need both guys if they do want to contend for the West. Yeah, IUP finishing with more rushing yards and total offensive yards. Uh, um, yeah, IUP with 330, 383 rushing yards, only total offense for Edinburgh, 225 yards. IUP really overcame a sloppy game, though. Tubby, I don't know if this, when you were watching the game, really um, kind of came across as well, but IUP, 11 penalties for 102 yards, 7 only for Edinburgh. So a very sloppy game for IUP uh, overall as a unit. For for the Edinburgh side, um, Mike, what did you um, kind of take away from this? Were there any positives you can you could garner from this contest? Um, one thing, you know, is that I think I saw this in, in your uh, game story. It's going to be in the spectator from Coach Browning's point is that if Edinburgh scores in that long drive right at the end of the first half, it's 28-7 to get the ball to start the second half. They score there. All of a sudden it's 28-14, and I thought to myself, they, that's true. That They could have been that close to only been down 14 points early in the second half, but it just didn't seem like that was, that was, it was that close, but it really could have been. Yeah, no, you're exactly right. Um, and then you talk about for the second week out of three games, Edinburgh fumbles and gets rid of the football in its first offensive snap. Uh, Jake Sisson puts the ball on the ground on play one for Edinburgh after IUP goes up 7 nothing. So maybe take away that turnover that sets up IUP in great position at the Edinburgh 29, and then you take away the fact that Edinburgh didn't get points at the end of the half like we talked about. Uh, with the pick six, if you keep that play in there, I, mean, I know that's a lot of hypotheticals, but it could have been a totally different ball game, and I think psychologically from that standpoint, Edinburgh could have been in much better shape. Right, Mike. I, we and Tyler were talking on the way in today because, you know, I'm Tyler's unpaid chauffeur in the morning. But uh, I, I was mentioning because I had tweeted it out earlier in the game from, from what I was watching because I was watching the video feed and I had that muted and then listening to you guys through Edinburgh now. And uh, Jake, to me, looked like he was a little bit more settled in the offense this week. Like I, I know there was 
there was some screw ups and there was some bobbles and stuff like that. But did you guys see? Did he seem like more comfortable with it, or am I just completely out in left field as per usual? Uh, the only thing I would say, Tubby, is this might be, not be the game where I put it so much on his shoulders. I think the offensive line really struggled with a dynamic pass rush. I think this IUP front seven was a little bit better than what they expected coming in. They they pick up five sacks, and I really felt like they lived in the Edinburgh backfield to, to create negative yardage plays. So I don't really know if that's all on Sisson or if that's all on one individual. But as a group, I think the offensive line for the first time this season – uh, which is a good thing to see because, let's be real, last season we saw it a lot more often. Uh, but I think for the first time this season, they really had some breakdowns up front with pass protection, and it was something that really disrupted the offensive flow. So now let's uh, take a look at what else happened around the PSAC because that seems to be very entertaining in itself after last week and now continuing into this week. Uh, some interesting games of note. Um, I'll just whip around the east, the Eastern Division real quick. Westchester beat Lockhaven 33-9. to Interesting, it was 9-9 at the half in that one. Um, other East Coast, uh, not a shocker. Bloomsburg 63, Cheney nothing. Um, and Kutztown beating Millersville 47-14. to The other Eastern Division game, uh, five overtimes in this one. One that Mr. Fenner thought wasn't going to be that good of a contest, Tubby. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Shippensburg wins 69-67 to at East Stroudsburg in five overtimes. I was following this one on Twitter. I wish there was something like some free live stream other than the ESPN like $7 thing you had to pay for. Because this game was still going on. It didn't even kick off till 6.05. We were already home, already settled in. And I was following this on Twitter as it was going into the overtimes. And man, oh man, was this a contest. And... uh Shippensburg, the, the, the offense that Fenner doubted, gets the win. You surprised by this contest? Yeah, I am. And you know what? Uh, I'm starting to think I'm, I'm losing credibility with my, P, my, my PSAC uh, background. <laughs> Between that and uh, a 5-0 football team we'll talk about, I think I'm starting to lose some of my credibility. <laughs> feel, hey, you know what? Feel no shame. I'm right there with you, Mike. <laughs> I have no credibility whatsoever. I'm just here for comedic relief. That's basically all he is in to be the unpaid chauffeur. And um, now, so that was a very interesting contest. ESU falls in that one, but a lot of records in this one um, for Matt Soltes and John Schnars, who had unbelievable stats. I can't even, I don't, can't even rattle them off. The numbers are that high. Um, I'll take Schnars' line any day of the week for uh, for my entire life. By the way, twenty catches and seven touchdowns. I'll take that for a lifetime. Just imagine if, if if he was your fantasy player that week. You were you needed how many points he and if that was a line for a receiver, you might have like won that game. Three hundred or something he needed. Yeah. Uh, so anywho, let's go now into the Western Division. Uh, some cons. SRU wins forty-one to fourteen over Gannon. The Rock gets back on to where they where everyone thought they should have been. This game was a little close early on, but then they eventually pulled away in this one. Um, Cal, the come-from-behind win over Seton Hill, 38-34. So the Griffins take the loss, Mike. But how surprised and how how surprised are you with Seton Hill that they uh, you know, were leading this game most of the way, lost to Cal late, but, I mean, Seton Hill's legit, are they not? Yeah, uh, I think it's, it's time to start giving the respect uh, to the Griffins that they deserve. I think they've really earned it. Very much a surprise team in this West, and I think you're seeing a couple other surprise teams. This is a very, very competitive division from top to bottom. And it just shows you that week in and week out, anyone can beat anyone. And something that Coach Browning talked to me about on Saturday and talked to us about a couple of times already is that he believes the West will be won with two losses. Yeah. And, I mean, look at all the teams that already have a couple of losses, um, Edinburgh being one of them, and they're still in this this bad boy because it's just everyone just beating on top of each other. 
And the last one, and I saved this one for last just so I can kind of rank on you a little bit and also is going to segue into our quick preview. Clarion wins 41-27 to over Mercyhurst at Clarion. Um, and, they're, and I mean, this is now a, a, a Golden Eagles team that is and 5-0, Mike. A team that was, team that, what, had maybe two or three wins a year ago, picked last in the preseason polls in the Western Division, is now 5-0, and undefeated in um, PSAC West play, obviously, and uh, has beaten the likes of Gannon, has beaten now Mercyhurst, two teams that you thought were going to be tough to deal with this season. And, and here you go. They got their former offensive coordinator, now head coach. They got, a, they got a new quarterback in there who has, what, I think had the third highest passing yards in Clarion history on Saturday. And here you go. The Clarion Golden Eagles, 5-0. and I know you can't believe it, Mike. No, I really can't. Uh, it's an incredible job that Coach Weibel has done with the Golden Eagles. Uh, and like you said, the personnel really is not a whole lot different. I mean, we saw a lot of these players, most of these players, on the field last year in a game where Edinburgh put up 56 points uh, at Memorial Field. So I don't know what to expect uh, with this Golden Eagle program for the rest of the season. I mean, they're real contenders. They are right now at the top of the PSAC West uh, with that 2-0 Western Division record, still 5-0, and unblemished. Put up 41 points against Merciers, who is known for you know its good defensive play. And I think the quarterback play of Connor Simmons is not only something that's very serious to take into account in terms of yardage and touchdowns, but he's taking care of the football, too. Just two interceptions along with those 17 touchdown passes. And then Matt Lehman, 10 touchdown catches. I mean, it's no John Schnars with seven in one game, I suppose, <laughs> from East Stroudsburg. Uh, but, I mean, this is really hard to believe. I, I just don't know what to expect from my own eyes say when we go and do that game on Saturday with them coming into Sox Terrace Stadium. Right, and, you know, I just quickly brought up their schedule. Um, you know, they got a lot of good contests coming up. I know, you know, you took what they were doing earlier in the season with a grain of salt because of looking at their looking at their opponents. But now, I mean, the, I could still be proven wrong in this situation. I mean, they could really – things could turn for the worse for them. They have Edinburgh coming up for a homecoming, so that's a, that's a you know, an anybody-take kind of game when it comes to homecoming. But then they have – then they host Seton Hill next week, the upstart Griffins. Then they're at Cal – IUP, and Slippery Rock. So yeah, that's where it starts to get a little bit more brutal. Even though they have been battle-tested in their last two games as wins at Gannon and at home against Mercier. But you're right. It's not going to get any easier. And got to think about this from the Edinburgh perspective. What an opportunity. You've got homecoming, and you want a chance to feel good. You have a chance to knock off the surprise team. You have a chance to knock off the unbeaten team and take them off that pedestal and remind them, you know, that this is still borough football and – there's a five-game winning streak on the line right now. Edinburgh's had Clarion's number, so you kind of wipe all the records off the page, and this is a huge chance for the Fighting Scots to feel good about themselves on Saturday. And Borough could really make up some ground if they can beat Clarion at home this Saturday. Uh, then Clarion goes on the road again and starts knocking off some of these top-tier teams. That could really help Borough in the standings. Yeah. It all could it all could work out well, and as you mentioned, Clarion is coming in this Saturday, two o'clock for homecoming. Uh, Edinburgh with the five game uh, winning streak in the series, uh, and you know it was just the exact same situation um, uh, as it was a year ago when Edinburgh faced Clarion. They were zero and five in the season, heading to Clarion, and that's when they got their first win in an in emphatic fashion, putting up fifty six points in that contest. So now here you go again. The 0-5 Edinburgh Fighting Scots facing Clarion. This time it's even more of a bigger storm, which because they're hosting um, they're hosting Clarion and it's homecoming. It's on Sports Fever. Last game, last year's game was on Sports Fever too. So it's all kind of building up to this one game again this year, two o'clock at, at
at um, Sox Harrison Stadium. So it's uh, it's going to be an interesting one. If this if there was a better time to win your first game, I I, I would I'm struggling to find one. I think this is the perfect opportunity. You're exactly right. Big chance in front of the Fighting Scots. They've got a good opportunity here uh, to try and, and, and kind of silence this team that really has come from nowhere. As we said, two wins a year ago, new coaching staff with an offensive coordinator promoted, and now here they are 5-0 and with a lot of momentum, a lot of star power, it appears for now, but Edinburgh can really uh, put the brakes on that team with a win. There you go. So Mike will be in here on Friday in person, correct, Mike, to come in and talk about Edinburgh football on Friday, leading right into homecoming on Saturday, which we might as well announce now. Um, We talked about it on the broadcast on Saturday that we will have a special homecoming edition of the morning after Saturday morning live from Sox Harrison Stadium, a 90-minute edition between Mike and I co-hosting. Tubby's going to take the Saturday off, um, and uh, we'll – We'll just have everything. We'll have our normal morning after NFL talk. We'll have Burrow talk. We'll have, uh, obviously, mm-hmm. homecoming talk. A bunch of stuff going on um, and some guests. Nothing confirmed yet, but we got some nice guests about to be lined up. So Mike and I live from Sox Harrison Stadium from 12 to 1.30, leading right into our pregame uh, show at 1.45 and right in the kick at 2 o'clock. So we got a busy day on Saturday, Mr. Fenner. Yeah, I'm looking forward to it, though. It's going to be a blast. I love doing it. Uh, I think we had a great job with the – TV pregame we did last year. I'm looking forward to radio, and uh, should be a great day for everyone. Hopefully the weather, uh, that's the only thing I'm worried about. Hopefully the weather is going to hold up. Looks to be in the 60s, and I'm seeing about 10 to 20% chance of rain. Hopefully that goes down to zero. Right, but, I mean, it's Edinburgh. It still could change either way. Right. You don't like the weather in Edinburgh. Wait five minutes. It'll change. There you go. That's yep. what they say. So thanks for <laughs> thanks for your time, Mr. Fenner. And before you leave, uh, we've, we, of course, we got to do this to you. Here we go, brownies. Here we go. There you go. Yes, thank you. Uh, well, at least I don't go offside on field goals. Though. Oh, right. But hey, you know, since you're since you're out and about, and if you're happen to be on your way to campus, could you pick up the big guy a morning biscuit? I'm kind of hungry. A morning, <laughs> morning I biscuit. I know you to pick me up. I felt for you yesterday, honestly. Oh, uh, I yeah. We're gonna get into it later, so. We will get into that. Thanks for the segue, Mr. Fenner. We gotta we gotta hit a break. We gotta we gotta get paid. We gotta pay some people, do some different things like that. So Borough <laughs> Football Falls 42-21 on Saturday. Homecoming this week, as homecoming week's getting underway as of right now. It's Monday. We'll have that call 88.9. Mike's in here on Friday. Appreciate the time, sir. Go get a haircut. Have some fun. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks for having me and enjoy. There we go. That's Mr. Fenner, the uh play by play voice of Borough Football there on the line. T- calling in that was a nice long segment there uh tubby right good stuff though nonetheless uh with mr fenner good to have him calling in here on a monday that might just be a a, a ongoing thing just having him call in you know because when it's three wide in here it gets you all riled up and i i I don't think i can handle that i don't get paid enough to to wrangle you in well i mean if if they keep playing well if my team keeps playing the way that they've been playing you're not gonna have to wrangle me much longer so we'll talk about that the offsides on the on the field goal all the sorts nfl talk on the other side Right here on the morning after. Supporters of WFSC include John's Wildwood Pizzeria, featuring a selection of pizza, hoagies, wings, salads, and more. John's is open daily at 105 Erie Street in Edinburgh. Information is at 814-734-7355 or on the web at johnswildwoodpizza.com. Support for WFSE is provided in part by Quickfill, a chain of 300 convenience stores and gas stations in the tri-state area, offering American-made fuels from United Refining Company in Warren, Pennsylvania. Information is at quickfill.com. 
927 here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. It's the morning after. Tyler Trumbauer, Tubby, right here. Long song there, Tubby. Like yes. over five minutes. Yep. Like that's enough time to almost go get food. You were complaining how you wanted to breakfast. I mean, not at the McDonald's of Edinburgh. You need longer than five minutes. But I mean, like like most places, you could have gone right. and got food. Well, I would have had to hustle. And me being big and hustling, that's no bueno. That never works out well for me. I don't want to see that. Nope. Anywho, so now we're going to hustle right into the National Football League after finishing up the Borough Football Talk in our previous segment, long previous segment as well. Uh, you know, long-winded Fenner going on and on and on. Well, it's his station. He can be as long-winded as he wants. Very true. I like my job. I could be fired. Uh, so we'll start We'll start off with the International Series. Go across the pond. Jets, Dolphins. Jets win 27-14. Now Miami. Falls to one and three on the season. This game was not as close as this as this no. show. I don't know. You said you weren't going to get up for this one, but I did. You did. I was up. Yeah, I watched it. Um, Jets easily won this game. They they should have put them away. There's two or three drives that the Jets had that were good that were stalled. That if they could have got touchdowns in this, this season could have been a fifty point uh, spot on the scoreboard for the Jets. Do you fire Joe Phil when they had a long flight back home today? Stephen Ross, their owner, said that they will. Decide to de- by Monday today, sometime today, we could get the decision whether Philbin will stay the coach of the of the Dolphins or be fired. They have a bye week. Is in your gut, what do you feel? Does Joe Philbin get fired or is he still the coach? I think you have to retain him. I, I don't think that they have enough time to fire him, and they don't have anybody within the organization that they can promote to take over the, the head coaching job. And I don't think that there's any head coaches out there right now to be had. Well, you're not going to get someone out of house in season. I can't remember a time when someone was fired, a head coach was fired mid-season and they brought someone from the outside. Yeah. I mean, at least it's the Browns, like, at least the Browns let the guy finish the season before they fired. Well, him, right, so. but I mean the Dolphins, I mean, when you're when you're your ownership, you're 4 weeks into the season, you got an early bye week. All mm-hmm. right. You just got embarrassed in two different continents. Right. And you paid a boatload of money. What was that? $114 million to Nagdamakan Sue. You paid Ryan Tannehill pretty well, and you're getting nothing out of these guys. Nothing. Yeah. I, I, I don't know, but I don't know where, where the Band-Aid is. You know, I would, I would just let him go at the end of the season. If it were me, I would just let him go at the end of the season. Yeah, but you all could have made that argument they should have let him go at the end of last season, too. But instead well, of I mean, they've been the talking coach, about letting this guy go like every. He's like one right. of those guys perennially on the hot seat. Right. He's seat. like a Tom Coughlin, but I mean, not with not as much success on the right. hot seat. He's a poor man's Tom Coughlin. So I'm, I'm, I'm saying the Dolphins are one in three now. You paid a boatload of money. So if you keep Joe Philbin in this right now, you're almost saying we're done with this season. And right. then you're just going to go the next 13 games sucking. Right. Why not? Come out of it with a new head coach. A high draft pick, you're looking at picking like one, two, three, or four within the draft. And what are you going to get in the draft? What are you going to take one, two, three, or four? I don't know. What do you need? I don't know. I'm not looking at the Dolphins that bad, but I'm saying, I mean, it wouldn't be that bad of a deal. Even if they do tank the rest of the season, they're still going to get a high. They're going to get a high draft pick out of the deal. They'll have a new coach come in. I don't know. I mean, I'm I mean, I'm, just, would... I'm playing devil's advocate in it, but I, at the end of the day, I agree with you. I think they keep Joe Philbin because of the one thing, and one thing alone is that they don't have anyone else to put it in there. Right. They don't have they don't have a Todd Bowles who was an interim in Miami before. They don't have a Tony Sperano who's been an interim at multiple places, uh, Miami and Oakland included. They don't have anyone like that. There's really no. no one that they could step up. And another thing that Stephen Ross said, um, or reportedly Stephen Ross said, is going to be a deciding factor is does he believe this team is tuning out? Philbin. I'm not sure if that's it. I just don't think they're playing very well. No. 
I, I don't really know. I don't There's, think they're executing. I don't think they're – I mean, they're in games, some of them. They're not – they're just not winning these games. Yeah, I, to use a military term, I think there's no unit cohesion. Unit cohesion. There's no unit cohesion. They, there you go. They're just not – I don't know. they got to figure something out here on the bye week, try to get on the same page with one another, but they're not – they're not playing like a team. And another game that was very interesting, um, I got to watch this. I bought Sunday ticket yesterday, as I said, and I got to watch the entire overtime of this one, which normally NFL rules prohibit. We must take you to your late I – mean, whatever that BS is right. that the NFL gives you. Um, went to overtime. The Colts win 16-13 to over the Jags. Hasselback, he's 40 years old, got the job done yesterday. Running the ball, passing the ball. You're 40 years old, right? Almost 40. Almost. I'm, lo- I'm staring You think you could do that? You think you could do that? No. <sighs> You were just saying you couldn't go get a breakfast sandwich in our five-minute break. Now you're saying I know, you could but win no, an NFL I mean, game? look, I mean, he's a trained athlete. That's all he's done. Right. He's been an athlete. All I've been all my life is a fat kid. I'm darn good at being a fat kid. I mean, if I had been an athlete my Question, do you life. still consider yourself a kid? Well, yeah. I'm young at heart. When is that going to change? I don't know. When I grow up and have some responsibility? I don't know. Hey. What do you want out of me? That ain't true! Continuing yeah. on, the Jags did fall on this one in overtime. Back and forth in this contest. I mean, this. I mean, it's rare that you see an overtime go almost with just there was like eight, seven minutes left in this overtime. But the Colts do survive two and two and uh, get the win. And, you know, the big, big thing is you didn't have Andrew Luck. When he was questionable to go, he might have been able to go, but you got to save him because I believe they have a short week this week too. They're going to play on Thursday night. And then you get a win out of it. So that's a win-win situation for the Colts. Yep. So, and the Jags fall to one and three. But I, I was impressed. I haven't seen the Jags too much. But Blake Bortles, they're on the right path down there in, in Jacksonville. It might be a slow rebuild, but with Gus Bradley and company, Blake Bortles was threw the ball a heck of a lot yesterday. 28 for 50, 298 yards, one touchdown. But he's a, he, he is the quarterback of the future for Jacksonville. Oh, yeah. They'll finally set up a winning team, and then they'll move the whole team to L.A. It'll be great. I don't think Jacksonville's going to L.A. I do. You think? I do. When? Probably within the next year and a half. Why Jacksonville? Why not St. Louis? Who no one goes to those games. Yeah, but nobody goes to Jags games either. No one goes to any sporting events in Florida because it's Florida. Right. There's 10,000 other better things to do, so then why don't you move exactly. the Dolphins? So then why do they have three teams there? Yeah. Two. Three. What's the third team? Oh, Tampa, Tampa Bay. Bay. Right, okay. So, yeah, they have three teams down there. But which, mm-hmm. which? Uh-huh. I can't count. But which? <laughs> Math is bad. Which? Why just one team? Why not Tampa Bay? Why not Miami? Why Jacksonville? Because the other two teams are established, and you're looking at a – I don't know. I have to look at the map again. But Established? Anyway. Miami just got their own stadium. They used to share it with the Marlins. I know, but they've been there forever. They've been in my – like, when you think of Florida football, who do you think of? You think of the University of Miami. College is better than pro. I, hold on. Okay. Let me finish my point before you get all jumpy there, Squirrel Boy. Well, your points take too long. No, they don't. You just keep interrupting me. That's why they take so long. But move on now. Fine. I want to listen. listen. I'm going to throw in the towel now. Forget it. Jaguars are going to stay in Jacksonville. I doubt it. But nonetheless, they're 1-3. and Um, The game that was not really supposed to be a competitive game, the Giants and the Bills, Tubby. You're like, oh, 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 let's move on. This is is ridiculous. Why are you wasting my air? Why are you wasting my time with this? And the Giants won 24-10. Your Bills didn't even put up a fight in this one. I know it. I was wrong. You got nothing to say? I was wrong. Did you watch this game? I watched the end of it. You watched the end of it. I watched the end of it. Because, I mean, Golden Girls was on a marathon, dude. So you seriously, watching. hold on. You watched the Golden Girls on Sunday. Yes. Instead of. Yes. Instead of the 1 o'clock games? I certainly did. I'm not afraid to admit it. 
I just wasn't into it, dude. I wasn't feeling it. I'm sorry. There were so many good games yesterday. I didn't care. I just did not care. I just did not care. I was, I was comfy. I was on the couch. How do you life. watch the Golden? Okay, now listen. I like the Golden Girls, all right? And I'm okay to, uh, to admit that. But you don't watch that instead of football on Sunday. Yeah, but it was an all-Sunday-long marathon. Record it. Watch what? it some other time. Why? It was on now. It was on then. There was no game. Because I you watch it when there's no football on. No. Sometimes you just don't watch football for the sake of watching football. Yes, you do, because you have to go onto a radio show the next day and talk about it. And when you're going to be as mean as you were on Friday and tell me that I was so stupid for trying to preview the Bills-Giants game. I never said stupid. But you were like, oh, this is going to be an easy game. But then you have the audacity to not even watch football. Correct. What what kind of show prep is watching the Golden Girls on a Sunday in a marathon? See, the awesome show prep was getting up at 2 a.m. this morning, scouring the thousands of websites that cover football. Well, guess what? I watched the game. I watched the game and made my own analysis, my own deductions from the game. I didn't copy it and paste it from some website. No dogs on the run here. This is legit Tyler Trumbauer analysis. (laughs) Yeah, people are paying for that one. No one's paying for anything. They're knocking down the door for Tyler Trumbauer analysis. Knocking on the door. I hear them calling. Some people like to listen to what I have to say. Okay, we'll carry on. I'm listening. So the Bills, are they a legit team or are they done? Were no, they just they're still were legit. they just a contender for two weeks? No, I think they're still legit. They're still legit. They're two and two. Yeah. Okay. Still better than the majority of the teams that are playing right now. Including the Philadelphia Eagles. <sighs> yep. Speaking of the Eagles. Speaking of the Eagles. They lose to the Redskins. The Redskins. The twenty-three to twenty in this one. It's close. It was a shocker. Do you watch this game? No, because it was one o'clock and the Golden exactly. Girls are on. Exactly. The Eagles are bad. The Eagles are really bad. I mean, that was the only reason I bought Sunday ticket was to watch the Eagles because they actually weren't on television, despite what Tubby told me earlier in last week. Um, see, I'm just yep. not going to listen to you anymore. I wouldn't. Because I've really lost a lot of respect for you, knowing that you watched the Golden Girls instead of football yesterday. That's why. I mean, I still said I like the Golden Girls, but watch it at a different time. Okay. Are they on Netflix? I don't know. I don't think What's so. What's Netflix? I don't have Netflix. I don't You have illegally it. stream everything, too. I do. Was that what you were streaming? What channel was the marathon on? Uh, TV Land. TV Land. I don't even know what that channel is. That, that, I, they don't they like, show, like, black and white shows? Like, Leave it to Beaver? Sometimes. They've shown, uh, they've had I Love Lucy on there. See, that's too old for me. So the Redskins, I mean, this game was very winnable for either team. The Redskins did not, I mean, it was a tale of two halves. The Eagles looked bad in the first half. Then the offense turned alive in the second half, and that's where the Redskins' offense really couldn't really do much. I mean, the Eagles won the second half 20-10, to 10, but, I mean, they were shut out in the first half. It was bad. Is your boy Chip too busy trying to outsmart, outthink everybody on the team, and then that's his biggest downfall? I, no, or? I think he doesn't have as good of players. I think his my scheme rules all does is starting to not work. I mean, they got rid of Deshaun Jackson. You got rid of LaShawn McCoy. You got rid of Nick Foles. All three of those players were having success in this system. For whatever reason, he got rid of him. He got rid of Jason Kelsey because they didn't want to pay him. And Jason Kelsey was unhappy. Or, I mean, not, not Jason Kelsey, excuse me, Evan Mathis, who was a guard now is with Denver. Really good. And the reason I bring up the guards is because the guard play is horrible. Horrible in Philadelphia. It's the only reason. Sam Bradford, everyone's complaining he doesn't throw the ball down the field. He did a couple times in the second half. Some big, big... Uh, Long touchdown throws to Miles Austin, Riley Cooper, but, but he, doesn't he doesn't have any time. time. Yeah. Exactly, the guard play is terrible. Gardner, Barbre, or however you say his name, not good enough to play consistently in this league, hands down. 
And the Eagles are not going to win with that bad of an offensive line. DeMarco Murray's barely touching the ball. Now he's speaking out about how he feels that he needs to have a higher role in this team. This, this thing is looking bad. This yeah. thing is looking real bad. The only saving grace is that the Cowboys lost yesterday, and the NFC East is terrible. Absolutely terrible. So you're looking at a, what, like a 500 team coming out of the East? Potentially. Or sub-500? I mean, well, the Giants are 2-2, two and two, the Redskins are 2-2, two and two, the Eagles are 1-3, and three, and the Cowboys are 2-2. Two and two. So you have three 2-2 two and two teams and a 1-3 and three squad in the NFC East right now. So the Eagles are still in it. Now, everyone's bringing up, and Chip Kelly's bringing up, too, to try to, to, try to quiet all the boo-birds, is that they were 1-3 and three in his first year and then made the playoffs, won the division, made the playoffs that year. The problem is they weren't winless in the conference and the division that year. Right. Which they are right now. Because you got to be able to win in your division. Right. You, you found out last year when you're on the outside looking in, it, it doesn't matter your record. It matters what games you want. Right. It's quality over quantity. The Eagles are, I mean, I, I don't think the, Chip Kelly's gone at the end of this year, but I wouldn't be, I, I mean, definitely he's Is not he, going to get fired. He's on the hot seat, though. No. He might leave. I don't think he's in the hot seat. Jeffrey Lurie has a lot of respect for him. Jeffrey Lurie, as if you saw with Andy Reid, keeping him, keeping there a few years longer than he should have, 16 total years in Philadelphia. He's very trustworthy as an owner. He's very laissez-faire. He's not, you know, a Jerry Jones. He's not going to be up in your grill changing because he's, he's not really a football guy. He's become a football guy. He made his money in movies in Hollywood, and now he's got this team. But he's going to let Chip Kelly do his thing maybe for another year or two. But the thing is, Chip Kelly might leave. Where's he going to go? Texas. Texas is knocking. Yeah. I mean, Charlie Strong is doing it. bad down there. Oh, yeah. And he has no support system around him because of the guys that – I mean, there's a lot of guys that didn't want him down there, and now the guys that did are gone. Yeah. Well, and I they mean, just got embarrassed by TCU, embarrassed by TCU right. on Saturday. And it's proven that Kelly's system does work at the NCAA level. Well, look at all the coaches that, you know, were good, were good college coaches, made that jump to the NFL, and then went back. Steve Spurrier was in the NFL for two years. Nick Saban was in the NFL for two years. Now this is Chip Kelly's third year. Right. Might be time for him to go. He might Could say be. it's time to abandon ship, which is really going to ruin the Eagles because – I, what they have right now is nothing you can grow with. No. You can't just put another coach in and expect to compete the next year. No, because then you're looking at scrapping the entire system. Right, you're scrapping the entire thing. Because, I mean, your entire support system is around Chip Kelly. is your general manager, your coach, you know, everything. So that's, that's a lot of problems. We're going to hit a break here on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio. Come back, talk about some more other contests, including the Browns. I want to get to that one. Also, the Cardinals fell for the first time in 2015. We'll talk about that more on the other side. we got another long song coming up right now. Supporters of WFSC include Bonnell's Auto Group, featuring collision services in Erie and Fairview, auto glass replacement and repair in Fairview, auto sales in Erie and Fairview, and full rod shop services and restoration in Fairview. Information on each service is on the web at bonnellsauto.com. Edinburgh Campus Media is supported in part by a grant from ECRA, an organization that empowers the Erie County nonprofit sector towards economic and community development. Information is at 814-897-2690 or at ecgra.org. That was Queen. A lot of Queen. A lot of Queen. Four minutes of Queen and 30 seconds. I love my boy Freddie. 947, 88.9, Fighting Scots Radio, edinburghnow.com, the tune-in app on mobile devices. It's 947. That's the first time I've plugged all three. I'm going to get fired. Um, Also, our podcast on edinburghnow.com, so you can listen to this debacle if you miss it live. Uh, continuing on NFL talk here, a lot of good four o'clock games. I thought um, going into this one, obviously, um, you know the Packers and Niners are a heck of a lot closer than I think people expected. With the Packers winning seventeen to three, also the Rams beating the Cardinals twenty four to twenty two in this one, serving the Cardinals their first loss of the season. 
Um, but is that is this more did the, is this more of a surprise for the Rams or a surprise for the Cardinals? How how you kind of taking that game? I think it's more of a surprise for the Cardinals. I thought that they were going to do a lot better than they were. So, yeah, I'm pretty shocked. I thought I thought Cardinals were going to roll over, just roll over St. Louis. I didn't think there was going to be a contest at all. So watch out for St. Louis, though. I mean, they're two and two now. I mean, this this NFL's got a lot of parity in it this year, and uh, I mean, I think they're legit. This is going to be one of those cagey teams that you just don't want to face. You want right. to, like if you're pushing. I mean, look at their wins. Who they beat? They beat what? Seattle and Arizona. Yeah. Both teams in their division. Both top teams in the NFC overall. Right. It's legit. Yeah. They could be real contenders. I mean, they're sitting in the catbird seat. See how the rest of their uh, rest of their schedule shakes out. But they could be there in the end. Real possibility. I got to give you credit for this one. You said Minnesota-Denver was going to be a game to watch. And it was. Denver 23-20 over Minnesota. Minnesota was right there, though. Teddy Bridgewater fumbles with under a minute left in this contest. And then the Broncos take a knee and win this one. But they could have gone down and kicked that field goal there and got the win or got to tie it up and potentially got get the win even too. So, I mean, unfortunately for Minnesota, they fall to two and two. Broncos stay four and zero overall. But one thing you you learned by watching this game, Teddy Bridgewater's legit. Yeah. Yeah, he's gonna be good. Hey, I mean, Minnesota hit on target with him. 27 for 41, 269 yards, one touchdown. He's just a leader on this team, and uh, he's going to be the quarterback for Minnesota for a while for a team that hasn't had a quarterback, I think, since Dante Culpepper. And even he wasn't a And he wasn't that good. No. So, but, I mean, this is good for them. Fran Tarkenton. This is good for them. I mean, they got, they got the, the main foundation. I mean, that's what you got to find. You got to find that quarterback that will lead you through. And now they can build around them. So certainly, I mean, I mean, the thing that Denver did well is they contained Adrian Peterson. The last couple of weeks, where Minnesota's had a lot of success, AP was running the ball all day. AP all day, you know, that's what they used to call him, and uh, he was doing just that. But now, uh, you know, one thing for Peyton Manning is, uh, you know, he ha- he's not the leader on this team anymore. The no. defense does it. He's got other weapons around him. He's just a serviceable. I mean, he's not, I don't want to say serviceable. I feel that's discrediting him. But really, right now, he's just doing his role. He's not He's not a game manager. He's just a serviceable quarterback above average that's taking care of business, not turning the ball over. He's not doing bad things. He's not doing spectacular things, but he's but, taking care of business. Yeah, but you don't need to rely on old Peyton to win you the game. Right. Right. It's not coming down on his shoulders. I think the rest of the team stepped up around him, which is which is good for him. Right. I mean, at least I, – because I personally believe this is probably his last year. So I think he either makes a run with Makes the Super Bowl. Especially if they win the Super Bowl, he'll probably be done. <coughs> if they win the Super Bowl, he'll probably, he'll probably just hang it out. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a Sunday nighter was a good one. Saints 26, Cowboys 20. This one was back and forth all day. Um, and then obviously went into overtime and the because uh, the Cowboys missed the uh, – Missed the field goal at the end there, right? Yep. In, in regulation, and then sent it to overtime, and the Saints win and, and avoid going 0-4, get their first one of the year. Cowboys fall to 2-2. Two and two. We'll talk about that more tomorrow, because I want to get with the Browns game with, obviously, Tubby here. Chewy being on tomorrow morning. We'll talk more NFL and uh, the like for tomorrow. Uh, San Diego <coughs> advances in this one, survives 30-27 to against the Browns. Um, I mean, the Browns did everything right. I mean, I, I, I think they got, you know, they got, they got, they scored late, got the two-point conversion, knotted it up. They were down there, and then, you know, they were there. San Diego kicks the late field goal, misses, misses it, it, but the flag, and Cleveland being Cleveland, is offsides on a field goal attempt at the end. Like, come on, Cleveland. What were you offsides for? You're not going to splock that kick. No. So what are you doing offsides? Don't even put anyone out there. Yeah. 
Only in Cleveland. It's just how it happens. But now let me ask you this. After Josh McCown's performance on Saturday on Sunday, I think his career best performance as a quarterback. Right. Do you still want Johnny Manziel out there week in, week out? Yes. Oh my gosh. Well, it's simple. I mean, look at it. McCown is just not McCown, you're not gonna build He your- put you in prime position to beat the San Diego Chargers. I fully understand it and I appreciate all of his efforts. However, he is not the future of this program. They're not going to build. Listen, they're, they're not going to build anything off of him. Mike Pettin doesn't doesn't really care Mike too Pettin much about. Probably won't have a job next. Right, season. that's why he's not worried about next season. He wants to win now. Right, because he's worried about his job. Well, you Cleveland is always about. Well, let's build for the future. Let's build for the future. You sound like the Sixers. You got to start playing now. Yeah, we don't have anybody to play now. You play Josh McCown. To try to win yourself some games, you're a bad field. You're a bad penalty, and and then a good overtime period away from being two and two instead of one and three. And if you were two and two, you say this team's two and fourteen at the end of the year, which means that means they lose twelve straight, which I doubt. Which means this team was legit because they're right in the thick of things in the entire NFL at two and two. Yeah, but it's not going to happen. They were a couple of plays away from having that happen. It's not going to happen. It's I, just not. I'm sorry to ruin your young enthusiasm, not, but it's I not I just don't happening. understand why you're so pessimistic. I, I was watching your Twitter timeline yesterday, and you were just so down this team. You're like, oh, you know, this game's over with, like, when it was 30 to t- whatever it was or something. Or it was not 30-20. It, like it was, like, 20-something. 20, 20 I want to say 26-20. Yeah. That doesn't make sense because it can be 26. But it's, like, it was a four-point game. You're like, oh, I'm going to go watch the Food Network. Yeah. We're probably going back to the Gilmore Girls is what I, or the Golden Girls, what I should have said. Yeah. Because it was over. I knew I it wasn't over. They came back after that, and then you turned the game back on. You tuned it back on. You tweeted, "Oh, I'm done," but then you went back because it was over. How was it over if you went back? Because you still gotta, you still gotta watch the thing. I'm gonna say stuff on Twitter, and I'm gonna say that why? Because why? Because you just want to get, you just want to get retweets and get some favorites on that. Are you just gonna sell yourself out on Twitter for that? No, but that's what that's what we all do. No, we don't. I tweet legit stuff that I'm doing. Okay. Because you're new to Brown's Twitter, I'm going to explain to you how this works. We always make it out to be as bad or as worse it can always be. And we always say insane stuff. I mean, if you want to see real insane stuff, follow the angry Browns fan. Follow that guy. Because he retweets everything and makes videos out of it. This is how the guy makes a living, is off of the angry tweets from Browns fans. But that's what we do. We still watch the horror show. We still watch the dumpster fire rolling but down. I don't the hill. know why you guys are so pessimistic. You shouldn't be that down on this team. Because it's 30 years. I've had over 30 years' experience with this team and watching it fail. I know what failure looks like. You could tell McCown was going to run the ball because he lined up underneath center. You could tell he was going to throw it because he was in a pistol or shotgun. I mean, my six, my eight year old son knew what play they were going to run just by the formation. And it's not because he's that great at football. He only knows two teams, the Browns and the Packers. He asked his mom the other day, hey, are the Packers as good as Ohio State? Okay, so if they're that predictable, how did they almost beat the San Diego Chargers? Because the San Diego Chargers were missing the majority of their front line on offense. And their defense isn't all that great. They were down by the end of the game, only down to two, two legit wide receivers. And we couldn't cover either one of them. We couldn't even pass rush. We couldn't get anybody in the backfield. Nothing. On three guys that they picked up off the street, it's like going down to McDonald's and picking up the three fattest guys you see and say, okay, put these pads on. We're gonna, you're going to block for 
So you're telling me Cleveland's going to go 1-11 and 11 the rest of the year? Yeah. Look. Maybe if we're lucky, we'll get one more game out of it. Who they beat? I'd have to look at the schedule again. But it's the, this is where they were supposed to make their money. This is where they were supposed to make their money. was Against off, San Diego? Off these beginning games. Again, they were you supposed just... To, they were supposed to win this so game. So you're telling me you picked the Browns to win this game? If I had it in, at the start of the year when I looked over the schedule, oh. yes. I had them winning this game. Because we always play them close. The last time we played them, we played them in Cleveland in the rain. It was a freezing rain. And we ended up winning by three. I knew it was going to be a close game at the very least. But normally we win those close ones. Hold on. Let me see where we're at. Okay. So we got the Ravens at Baltimore. That's a loss. Broncos at home, that's a loss. Just at tell me Rams, who you think is going to be the next That's what I'm looking here. Well, I don't got quick. all day for you to go through the schedule. Instead of watching the Golden Girls, do some show prep. Maybe the 49ers on December 13th at home. We might win that game. Might. So you're going to lose 11 games then? Yep. Yeah. I mean, look at who we got to face. We got to face the Ravens twice, Broncos, Rams, Bengals twice, Steelers twice. The Niners, the Seahawks, at the Seahawks. Yeah, right. Yeah, that game. And at the Chiefs. I see the Browns getting four wins this year. <laughs> nah. Not happening. It ain't happening, Captain. Maybe three. Nah. Three or four wins. Nah. More than two. Guaranteed. Nah. More than two. The Browns Not unless won't. something happens and lightning strikes and, you know. Well, you don't know. Peyton has a, head, has a heart attack. Know. or someone Exactly. Someone could be injured. Someone could be out. And then the Browns can capitalize like they almost did yesterday. It's any given they Sunday. They can't capitalize. They can't close. I know this team too well. You can give them the ball. I mean, one year the Steelers fumbled the ball eight times and the Browns barely won that game. A win's a win. They had. No. It is. Well, it's against the state. You, you okay, you're going to discredit and be like, oh, well, the Browns put up, played a heck of a game. Josh McCown played the game of his career, and they, and they lost, and they, and they almost won the game. But almost you're like, doesn't oh, it count. doesn't. Right, almost doesn't count. But you're like, oh, well, it doesn't. It's, it's terrible because, you know, the Chargers had these and these and these people out. Because our right. defense. But that's the team you were playing on at Sunday. At the start of the year, our defense was supposed to be able to capitalize on this stuff, and they never did. Never. All right. Never. I got that. They laid down. Just lay down. Heck with it. I ain't playing. I'm done. I got that. Done. And then they couldn't really open up the hole, couldn't get anybody going. Our biggest receiver was our running back, Duke Johnson. I just I just wouldn't be that down on him. Because think about it. Like, think about your situation. Think about my situation with the Eagles. The Eagles are 1-3. The Browns are 1-3. Okay. The Eagles have been to a Super Bowl. Okay. Uh, have they not? Two. Okay. Have they won one? No. Okay. But they've been twice. Right. We've never gone. Okay. Ever. But that's too. Okay. I'm not living in the past. I'm talking about now. The last I'm talking time about right two, now. Right. It's 30 years of this crud that I've had to watch. But that's like saying, oh, the Cowboys. Like, well, we're the best team in football because we have how many Super Bowl rings? And the Steelers, we're the best team in football because we that's have how many Super Bowl rings. That's what they all say. But that's the past. It's a little so, on the past. I'm talking about right that's, now. That's what you judge it by. Right now, the Browns and Eagles are both one and three. Exactly. But on any given Sunday, I'll bet you if they were to play 10 Sundays in a row, I guarantee you the Eagles would win nine out of those 10 Sundays. I don't know. We'll have to see. Not if Johnny Manziel started, though, right? Even with Johnny (laughs) Manziel starting. 
All righty. That's all for Tubby. we got to leash him in here on the morning after. Thank you all for tuning in. Starting your morning off right with us on 88.9 Fighting Scots Radio, edinburghnow.com, and the TuneIn app. If you missed any of this nonsense today, of course, Mike Fenner calling in earlier. Appreciate that. You can check it out on the podcast on edinburghnow.com later today. I'm back tomorrow on Tuesday with Chewy. And then on Wednesday, I have off since i got to work on Saturday, and it's Tubby and Vic. I'm sure there will be a lot of Browns talk right. on that It'll one. It'll be all Cleveland all day long. There you go. We'll talk to you tomorrow.